Welcome to the e-commerce disruptors podcast, where alongside digital marketing experts, we give you our best tips, techniques, and insights on how you can be a disruptor in your industry. Hey guys, it's Noel Lopez from e-commerce disruptors, and I'm happy to bring on our guest, Adam, uh, Adam Brown from Circle Media, who's actually the founder, and he's going to be speaking to us uh, today about your social presence and how you can really build that out to help grow your brand. Thanks for having me. So Adam, one thing that I feel a lot of brands, one thing that I've seen and noticed is a lot of brands have their social media uh, and they have their presence, but they aren't really optimizing it or using it in the best way. We know that they can connect with them, but really through this presence, what is it brands should be looking to accomplish? What, what should their goal be? Yeah, so I think every brand's a little bit different, right? But the reality is it, it boils down to like a few things. We, we focus heavily on CPG beverage and spirits. So um, some of the stuff I'm gonna say probably leans that way. But I think anyone listening to this can extrapolate it out for their business. Um, and I'm really pragmatic, right? I, I work in social media that's a very abstract, artsy, sort of new sort of frontier, but uh, a pragmatic mindset is a really good one to have when it comes to navigating social. So I think you first have to just figure out like, what do you want to have happen? Like reverse engineer from that, right? So six months from now, what will you be high-fiving about from your social media efforts? So if it's, you know, supporting retail velocity, then you should have a social plan that commensurate with that. If it's driving e-commerce sales, then you should have a plan that's commensurate with that. And I think most brands are, um, sort of in the middle there. So they haven't even really thought, thought about that. The truth is most brands are a little bit of all these things. There's probably, I'm talking about products and B2C right now. So um, most of them are multi-channel. So they have Amazon e-commerce on their own domain, maybe even third-party e-commerce uh, and retail, and they have to serve all those gods. And so they have to do a little bit of social that will support each one of those. Maybe they should force rank those What's their most important channel um, and or what do you want to grow the most in the next three to six months? Right. And then think about what are some steps that you can take that are commensurate with that. So from for an e-commerce point of view, you know, you have to jab a little bit, tell them about your product, tell them about why it matters, but then you have to write hook and send them back to your website. And I think a lot of um, people in the social space, especially brand directors, um, they are a little bit skittish about using social for sales. They think social should be more conversational. Um, and so they're a little bit hesitant to actually go in for the ask. And um, what I say when it comes to an e-commerce strategy is uh, going in for the ask doesn't have to be the sale. I think a conversion of, a, a conversion of that is just getting them through your domain because that will start the marketing journal. So that could be long form content, that could be recipes, that could be ways to make cocktails. So I think social should be, um, the, the strategy of your social shouldn't be so artsy it should be a little bit more science, and then you should add the art on top of it. I think brands have that reversed. Make sense? Yeah, and so question, because I, I, I do agree with you. I, I think many brands are skittish about, I guess, openly marketing, so to speak, within their, their social media channels. And when they, you know, they're, they're, they're nervous that that may take away from the presence that they, they've created. So my question is when you are, creating these campaigns, are you driving straight to the PDP, for instance, or are you just driving to the, to the, the homepage? What's the intention behind that campaign or, or is it dependent on, on the campaign itself? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I could go on for hours about this, but you know, making it succinct for you here. Um, a lot of the times we're not in the driver's seat. So it's somebody on the client side and if they have e-commerce ambitions, um, they are saying, listen, like we need to, we need to drive a sale or we need to do something. And often their route, they're telling us we want to route this to our homepage or we want to route this to our shop catalog. Um, and I think this is the big crux and maybe we'll talk about this a lot on this conversation. Most brands have not invested mentally and financially into what they need to do from the e-commerce point of view. So if we say you need to be driving specific landing pages, they hear that and they just see dollars, signs in the negative, meaning that's gonna have a cost, I don't have a webmaster, I don't know how I would even do that. And so they don't do that. And so, so they have a lot of um, attrition, they have leakage because they're sending people through their homepage right. of maybe their subpar website or they're just going to the shop page. And if they have a lot of SKUs, people are getting lost. Right. And so um, we don't really drive that. If, but to answer your question, if it was my baby and my brand, I would be using landing pages because the beauty about social, and that's, that's where I live, is I can be very specific down to gender, um, down to you know, different parts of the country with a geographic footprint, very specific ingredients. And um, in the healthy CPG space, every, sometimes a product has like 97 benefits. Exactly. So it's healthy and it kind of benefits everybody and they like that. I actually like it as if it's a keto diet, I'd rather go to a keto diet interest group, send them directly to a keto landing page and then convert them to, yeah, convert them to a sale. I wish I could do that more. I just don't get to do that as often as I would like. Um, but that is where I would drive them. That's the answer to that question. And I, you, you bring up a good point around investing within, within social. I think uh, several brands are hesitant or nervous about the amount of money that they are putting in. And just for building that presence, we know that it does they take that time, that effort. But in terms of investing, where do you think or how do you think brands should invest in social media to to kind of see the optimum or optimal uh, result uh yeah so first and foremost they need to have a social media manager um and somebody good it doesn't have to be circle like that is our core product what we offer but somebody it could be us another agency jennifer john doesn't matter but somebody who knows social media i think it's a salary i think it's a full-time allocated salary it's not a marketing expense um, and that person is doing all the, you know, the, the hundred different things that a social media manager needs to do. So I think first and foremost, that's a line item. And I think it's more salary on your PL than it is marketing vendor expense. Um, then within that more specific to what I think you're asking financial like investment, um, they need to be spending on Facebook and Instagram ads, especially in a market like right now that it's so cheap. Um, they need to be testers in the new, like I posted something on LinkedIn today about Instagram story ads. And I spoke with a pretty savvy marketing director that didn't even know that doesn't do stories and didn't know you could do story ads. And my head exploded. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> but, um, so yeah, need to allocate spend, uh, spend there. Then you need to look at your, what you're serving. So from an e-commerce standpoint, I have this sort of Mendoza line of $5,000 a month of marketing expense specifically for ads to drive through your website. And this is for people that want to drive top of funnel clicks, down funnel conversions. Um, I have definitely spent a lot of time with brands spending less than that. And, you know, I mean, I've seen some success, um, mostly around special offers with a good call to action, deep discount, whatever that might be. But like an evergreen ongoing 
uh, investment, it seems like that's the right number. Could it be $4,500? Does it need to be 7,000? I don't know, but that seems to be my line dollar wise. But you have to remember, you're also, you're not, you know, you're, you're paying Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook and Instagram ads, let alone Google and other, you know, things that would serve into this. Um, but then, like I said, most of my brands are also in retail. So you have to support retail. If you just signed into a Sprouts or a Wegmans or a Costco or whatever it is, you have to create awareness around being on those shelves. And so that's a separate budget. Um, it's almost more like out of home advertising, right. which, which even at like bigger companies, they would have somebody who does that who would be different than the e-commerce person. But the reality is they all grow through your social media manager. And so you have to have a budget allocated for at least those two. And then if you also have real Amazon ambitions, I think you need to have a third budget to support off-platform ads to send people to Amazon as well. So as, you, as I'm going through the answer, you see like the price tag starts adding up and for small brands, that's like a really scary proposition, but I just think that's the reality. Right, and especially with these smaller or, or these startup brands, for instance, they, you, you, like you said, that, that number begins to escalate rather quickly and there, there are those nerves a lot. I think, unfortunately, oftentimes, the need for a social media manager, there's not someone specific for that role who has that expertise. Rather, it's, hey, do you mind managing the social media as well? And it, it becomes almost an afterthought. Totally. So for, for those brands, though, in, in terms that, that are going, that may not be ready to, to have three different budgets for that, would you say that you would want them to start potentially with Facebook and Instagram, see the results that they get there and slowly expand out? Yeah, so I think if you're really starting small, like if you only have very minimal dollars, it's Facebook, Instagram, it's influencers. Um, I look at all of those as media. Um, and uh, look, if you're that, if you're early, early stage and small, then I would um, be, be proud of that, live in it. And that means uh, a lot of blocking and tackling, a lot of hustle, um, you know, using social platforms, but in a different way, DMing local influencers, um, being strategic. A nice little hack that we like is, um, you know, in New York and New York where I'm based in LA, um, everything's overpriced. Influencers are overpriced. Everything's overpriced, right? Even ads are overpriced to market to certain people there. So if you can target, you know, the same kind of concept, like supporting retail velocity in Ohio, you're gonna get somebody in Columbus, Ohio for pennies on the dollar compared to New York. You might even get them for free. And if you can, if you can like um, support velocity at retail around local and get reorders to now regional buys, you can run that back. And now with the new order, the new purchase order that you got, maybe fund and, and run it back. Um, I also just think that if, you know, if you can't invest in Facebook and Instagram ads at all, then you have to go real old school, like, um, 2008, nine, and like the owner of the company, every time someone transacts on Shopify or whatever e-commerce platform, like a personal note, thank you so much for buying my product. Here is why I did it. You know, let me know how it is. And you know, for every, you know, out of that first hundred orders, you get 10 like power fans to do the heavy lifting for you. Um, I find a lot of founders that aren't, aren't willing to be scrappy like that, you know, to make opportunity happen if they have no funds. But I right. think it actually, it's work, but it pays dividends. Absolutely. One thing that we just see consistently is, is that UGC content, when someone posts about how much that's so impactful versus, you know, a campaign that you might just be running around the product. 
seeing people actively engage with your product, rave about it, you, you, you build those raving fans. I mean, and you really, it goes such a long way. Totally. And, and one, other, one other little hack to that point is um, same theme, right? So like if you have a, you know, a vegan breakfast bar and you're in Ohio, and I'm just fresh on this because I just spoke to a brand about this last week, um, finding local Facebook groups that are like Ohio based and they talk about vegan products that have like 40 members um, and you have a gatekeeper, you have the person who's the um, owner of the group Go to that person and say, I want to gift you product. I love what you do. I want to be a member. I want to gift you product. And I just want to know what you think. If it's terrible, I want the feedback. If it's great, I want to know. By doing that, they're not going to ask for money. These aren't true influencers. And if you believe in your baby, as you should, if you own a business, yeah. then um, you're going to put it in front of somebody. And nine times out of 10, they're probably going to like it enough that now they'll endorse you in the group. Mm-hmm. And then you just got that UGC power recommendation just by being scrappy and reaching out to a bunch of Facebook groups. Um, really, it's, it's just putting in the effort is, is a good way to grow quickly too, through, through that way. Um, totally. So it, speaking of hacks, what would you say are your, your top three tips for really building a, a strong social presence? Yeah, so again, it's a, um, I, well, I gave a couple already, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll spit some fire on some more, but I think like um, it, it depends, like how do you look at strong? What, what determines strong, right? So um, if we're talking about right now, um, you know, follower counts, uh, vanity metrics, irrelevant, right? It's really just, what do you wanna have happen in the next three months? And then what are the efforts that you can put in? And like you just said, as far as um, putting in the work, I always say, if you can't put in the financial cost, then you can, you can win on opportunity costs, which means you can work till two in the morning every night and like, and like really grind it. So. Um, one hack is Facebook groups are easy. They've emerged. They're more important than Facebook fan pages, I would say. Um, so putting in the time to get in there and make that community and get people that are interested in whatever you're providing. Um, and the early stage brands are usually trying to solve something so you can speak to it. Um, or if you're a spirit brand, like the ones we work with, go into Facebook groups about mixologists and cocktails and talk about why your bourbon is better than anyone else's bourbon and whatever it might be. Um, So that's one. Second is um, reaching out to influencers and asking to work with them on their weekend. And what I mean by weekend is, you know, we'll go to Instagram influencers and, you know, they're a thousand dollars a pop, but we'll say, Hey, I see your, I see your dabbling in TikTok. Could I gift you some product and maybe pay you a little bit for TikTok knowing that it's probably going to flop. So now they're, they're proving out that they're now a TikTok influencer too. Um, They want to work with brands that aren't really courting them there. So I find that you can get a steeply discounted price when you're working on an emerging platform, even for an established influencer. So I think that's another sneaky little hack um, that you can get into. Um, And then third would be uh, just grinding for awareness with other brands. So look at, go go to Whole Foods, go to Sprouts. And again, I'm, I'm leaning towards CPG, but whatever you're in, go to the store, look at everything on the left, on the right, everything around your product, Go to every one of their Instagram handles, DM them and say you want to work with them and don't be too selective. I have brands um, that will not work with somebody who has less followers, will not work with somebody that isn't like an exact match. Will, will, if, they're, if they're a drink, they won't work with other drinks. Silly. I think you should work with every brand that you can because it's a, it's a free other than sending product to the winner 
way to get exposure to a very targeted audience because you're going after a like-minded set. So that would be three quick free tips that you can you could put in motion that I think would work. Yeah, and I, I love the idea around working with other brands specifically because if it's anything like your product or, or your brand, you're going to have a similar audience that may not yet know about you and you can very quickly grow um, through that means. And again, who doesn't like, you know, those types of, you know, contests or sweepstakes, who doesn't want to try and win something from one of their favorite brands and be introduced to another one uh, entirely. So huge win there. Yep. On that point though, are there any things that brands should be avoiding on social media um, or shouldn't be doing that, hey, this is a, a hard probably no, uh, we know that you're getting in the space or are in the space, but let's make sure you do it right. Yeah, so number one, and it happens a lot, is brands are ignoring community management. So it drives me bonkers. It's the whole point of social media. It's social. It's uncontrolled conversational messaging. That is what social networks and social media is. And I see brands, brands that I pitch for business that are like, take a look we're doing good work. I don't think we need you. What would you change? And some of them optically look good. They have a branding firm. They have a content team. Maybe they have someone internal. So it looks nice outgoing, but incoming people are asking them questions and they're ignoring them because they probably don't have a social media manager. And so that what we talked about before. And so no one is doing the blocking and tackling, responding to each little comment. And I think that's the biggest shift, like big no-no is ignoring that is so crazy because you're often missing real buying questions. And so not only are you not facilitating a sale, but you're also alienating a consumer who is now used to people responding. So if they reach out and you don't respond, it's like a double whammy, big no-no, huge mistake. Second, Instagram follower counts are irrelevant. I would love, I'll debate with anyone on the planet that wants to talk about it, but they're irrelevant because you don't target them. You, first of all, you don't reach them. And most brands that want more awareness, they don't usually target the 100,000, 10,000 followers because they're looking for new. Right. So if you can get your head around that, you stop worrying about Instagram follower accounts because even if it grew, it's not who you're trying to message to anyway. So I think that's important. And the last thing I would say is, you know, looking at other brands. I always say, don't look at the other treadmills to the left and the right at how fast they're running or how far they ran. Just focus on your business. Keep, keep narrowly focused on what you need to do. And I think then at the time that you get back from not worrying about what everyone else is doing and putting it into your business, usually by planting and then watering those seeds, things will grow. So in, in regards to just the Instagram account and, and even kind of the treadmill where you comparing yourself to other brands, one thing that, and it's, I, I would think, would love to get your thought on this is, we associate that count with like some type of value, especially when it comes to, for instance, celebrities, you get that blue check, you know, they're certified for brands. Would you say it's not so much the follower count, like you, you mentioned, but really just the value of those followers? Yeah, look, it's very important for a big influencer because they're trading on that. They're, that's how they make money. So that's great. Um, and I could, we could have a separate conversation on like the value and all that being BS, but great for them. But as far as the brand, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're not, it's not an audience that you're reaching. And we have clients that have 200,000 followers on Instagram 
that they've aggregated over the last seven years and you know they don't reach any of them so they have 200,000 followers but they get 200 likes and then we look on the back end we're not reaching anybody um, and then if they had money which they don't but if they if they could increase their KPI is new awareness so just think about it new awareness is not gonna be the people who are your followers on top of which there's plenty of people that just don't follow brands. So you could, you could do good work. They just don't, they don't, they don't even know. Like, I don't even know if my wife knows to like follow a brand. So, you know what I mean? So she, if a friend of hers, this is why influencers are important and it doesn't need to be a big influencer. If a, if a, a mom friend of my wife with 90 followers on a private account suggests a new healthy gluten-free baking mix, she's she my wife's going to be interested and she'll go and check them out and maybe go buy them but she's not going to follow them on instagram mm -hmm. so it's just it's just a it's a silly metric the only argument i've heard that is a somewhat relevant one is that the buyers at retail stores call you out and they're like you only have a thousand followers and they're sort of they're oftentimes i'm stereotyping but a little bit old school and they're not as socially savvy so they say it and i have definitely have had clients who have lost business because they didn't have enough Instagram followers. Yes. So that's, that's, an, that's a real pain point. We, we make an argument that you should do a paid social campaign, bring the metrics and then show it to them, literally show them, this is how we underwrite the relationship. It's the same spirit of the question, um, but that, that's the only argument I think even has a, that is even worth discussing. Everything else is, is silly. Right, because that, that number of followers is in, a, a correlation to who's interested in your product. And I, I think there's, I entirely agree, there's a common misconception that that's the case when really it's, and I think you, you put it very well, is, is what's that new reach? Who, who can you speak to and introduce your product to versus who's actually following? Because uh, even thinking about it myself, I don't know if I follow any brands on, on social media, really. It's primarily, you know, influencers or related to, you know, things I'm interested in music, what have you, and then a funny meme page or two, <laughs> so. Totally. Entertainment, escapism, but not necessarily a brand. Yeah. That's why I'm very hot on Facebook groups, because if you can harvest a Facebook group, we've taken some of our brands and maybe they have like 200, you know, members of this Facebook group, but it is an intimate group. They've asked to join. And if you're really to, like, you know, if all of a sudden I found out like I had celiac or I had Crohn's or whatever, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know anything about this. So I could Google search and I could look, but if I, if I found a good thing that was gluten-free that was, and I went in there and there were people talking about it and the organic reach on that is super high. When people are posting in that group, I'm seeing that all the time. That's valuable. And that's kind of what maybe Instagram was six years ago. Um, it added value to my life, but it no longer does and it doesn't reach me anyway. So that's why I just think it's irrelevant. So Facebook groups definitely, you know, a top opportunity to not be ignored for sure. Yeah, and I'm hot on those. And I would say some of my brands, if they even listen to this, they'll be like, yeah, Adam won't stop talking about it, but we only have like 70 people in there. Like, ugh. Right. I'm like, yeah, but I think those are, that's, that's I don't know the exact equation, but to me that's right. seven, 70 members is like 7,000 Instagram followers. I don't know, like, I just think it's more valuable. So it, it takes a little while to get them into your camp, but I'm, I'm hot on it. And I think that's uh, something people should be into. And it comes back to the, you know, just testing it. You know, if you see the success there, obviously, you know, there's, there's a reason to continue doing it. Um, totally. So 
Uh, for us, Adam, uh, first of all, wanted to thank you again for joining uh, the podcast and being a guest. Uh, I know you guys are actually going to be launching a podcast shortly. Um, and if you would love to, you know, tell us a little bit about it so we can make sure that we have our uh, viewers check it out. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we are, uh, we are launching a podcast. It was supposed to launch in March, but the uh, pandemic hit us and, and set us back. We're recording our first episode this week. It's called Consumer Package. It's going to be um, a live interview format all around the CPG space. So founders and people that service um, that vertical as well. And uh, if anyone is interested at all in, um, you know, signing up for it and hearing about it, it's CPG, like, like consumer packaged goods, cpg.show. You can go there, there's a landing page up and sign up for it and they could be the first to know when we do it. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to shout it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely excited to, uh, to tune in for the first episode. Thanks, man. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, Adam, again, for your time on uh, e-commerce disruptors. Again, thank you to everyone tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode and we'll catch you soon. This has been the e-commerce disruptors podcast presented by Electric Engine. Subscribe today to stay up to date on all future episodes. Please follow us at Electric Engine on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or shoot us an email at podcast at electricengine.com. That's engine spelled E-N-J-I-N. Feel free to leave us any comments or questions about this episode and let us know what you'd want to hear on future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening.